There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. Guys, we're doing something weird here. We're going to be doing two episodes of State of the Empire back-to-back. One is this program, where we're talking about all the news since our last episode about Rogue One, mostly about Rogue One, and then also Star Wars Rebels Season 3, and then... Between now and next week, we got Rogue Friday, the launch of all the Rogue One merchandise, and we're going to be doing an episode next week as well. So stay tuned for back-to-back episodes of State of the Empire. You're not seeing double. Now, if this is your first time with State of the Empire, well, we know that there's a lot of sensitive information out there, especially as new films approach their release. So don't worry. That's why we have the blast doors. That's a point in the show where we're going to say, hey, we're going to talk about some serious spoilers right now, so we'll see you later. Maybe you can come back to the episode after the movie's out, if that's your jam, or uh, you know, just, just check out all the news and stuff that's coming out uh, in front of the blast doors. Either way, you can listen to State of the Empire and still play it safe. The safe word is... Open the blast doors. <laughs> when you hear when you yeah when you hear us say we're going to open the blast doors, that's when you can check out if uh, if you want to avoid the spoilers. How many people? I mean, what, I mean, like, how many do you think stay like leave when the blast doors open? I know a few people who listen to the show who say that they do check out at that point. So more than a handful. <laughs> I, I would not be able to to resist myself. <laughs> I, I think that the most the the juiciest bits. I mean, there's some pretty like good juice going on beforehand, but then we get real good juice. Don't tempt afterwards. the people who don't want to hear it. I'm gonna ruin it for them. No, they like it. Uh, it's like smoking a death little, stick. It's a, it's a little yeah, exactly. It's a little Sith manipulation going on here. Like, yeah, Matt's the Matt. <laughs> Matt will be playing. Yeah, we, like like when when uh, Palpatine like pats the the lightsaber like. Oh, you want you this, want don't this. you? Like that's essentially what the that's the spoiler. That's what we're saying. It's like you want the spoiler. <laughs> Take your spoiler weapon and strike me down. <laughs> the uh, voice of the Sith holocron today will be played by Matt Spill. <laughs> so uh, let's, I guess, let, let's let's talk about Rebels without spoiling the, the episode. In brief, we can mention um, our reactions to the debut of season three, the premiere of season three, and then also we have some uh, pretty interesting news regarding the production team of Rebels. Uh, so, first reactions to uh, to the Star Wars Rebels, and uh, not a spoiler because everybody knows it, the uh, first canonical appearance of Grand Admiral Thrawn in the new universe. 
pretty good. He's real. Yeah. <laughs> like minimal, but you know, definitely had a presence. And it's just and, uh, it, I, I'm, it's just the start of the season, so I'm expecting him a lot more. Yeah, I think I think eventually we're going to get a, an episode that's really like gives us you know, that was a good way to set him up was sort of like, oh, there's something special about this guy, but for people that don't know him that well, like you know, that's all they got. And then I think later on we'll get sort of a uh, like, oh, that's what the big deal is about this guy. If you yourself so are drawing a blank, Grand Admiral Thrawn is uh, like the MVP character of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. His entire continuity has been erased, but now it's getting rebuilt. And it's very, uh, it's very exciting. In fact, there's a clip floating around of what I guess is the next episode of Rebels. where um, It's a clip called Hearts and Minds, or, or at least that was the article it was attached to where we see Thrawn, um, the rebels come face-to-face with Thrawn while pretending to be imp- Imperial employees. And potentially something very bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's, seems to be a tactic that that particular group of rebels has used quite a bit over the course of the series. And I like that it looks like he's already snuffed that out. It's like, oh, those things that have been working for you for two seasons? Not anymore, because I'm fucking Thrawn. Yeah, there was um, a long, long interview with Dave Filoni that came out recently where he talked about how this season of Rebels is, he suspects, where most people thought Rebels was going to start in terms of the state of the Rebellion. Mm. Because we were all, I think, mutually surprised in the first season of Rebels when it was like a ragtag group of people seemingly with no major connections whatsoever just kind of making stuff explode sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a splinter cell kind of thing. Yeah. But and now it's, it's becoming a true rebellion. And yeah, a true, true a alliance of rebels. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and Thrawn knows that. <laughs> and uh, all the other Imperials seem... I, it's interesting how, how much they they don't want to believe that the rebels are as organized as they are. It, it kind of creates a very interesting sort of like... Maybe not intentional, but like the sort of... You know, you you never want to. You hope when you're fighting like a small splinter group or a rebel group that it always seems to be that the 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 power in place always wants you to make it. Oh, they're just disorganized. You know, like you kind of say that about like maybe the ISIS fighters or something like that. You know, they gotta get some similarities in the whole like when the threat becomes real is when it's like oh they're talking to each other. Gotcha. You know, so it's kind of yeah. interesting that the the empire is, is sort of taking that approach too. It's like well. Let's not let the public know that they actually do talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and and Thrawn is Thrawn is the only one who actually seems to grasp, like, no, these these people are real and mm-hmm. and I and 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 he, he goes out of his way to make sure that he's just he he's he's clearly from his first appearance playing a long game, figuring out how he can not just win small victories against the rebels, but really destroy any hope that there could be a future rebellion. Yeah, that that is, I mean, they're ripping, I mean, that's Thrawn's cunning from, you know, old Thrawn from, you know, the mid-90s when he first made his EU appearances. Like, he's always playing the long game. You know, he will sacrifice the pawn in order to get his bigger men in place. (laughs) There was a line about how he, like, destroyed a system to to cull some insurgency, and there were, like, severe civilian casualties, but it was okay because they were within a margin of acceptability. Because the rebels were... I want to know what that margin is. (laughs) It's like, we're willing to accept 500 civilian deaths per rebel killed. It's kind of like what it sounded like. (laughs) No. 
the other big changes is that from right off the bat, uh, Ezra has a new shitty haircut, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's tall. He's maybe even taller than Sabine right now. Yeah, yeah, he uh, is. He's got a, he had a legitimate teenage growth spurt, and he he gets appointed as like lieutenant commander. Um, they're letting him make decisions. And he's also sipping some of the Sith Kool-Aid pretty hard from the holocron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised uh, halfway through the episode, without spoiling things, It's, I was just like, yeah, he's going pretty dark side. Ezra's got one foot in the door, you know, propping it open, uh, letting the dark side in. And uh, even by the end of the episode, I'm like, he didn't really, you know, close the book on that. It was really like it's still there's still a lot of potential for bad stuff to happen. Well, one of the clips that was circulated before the series premiere was Tom Baker's new character, uh, Bendu, some kind of uh, force sensitive alien living in the wastelands of the planet the rebels are hiding out on. And uh, he speaks about, you know, the the Jedi and the Sith are polarizing, mm-hmm. and it seems like harmony exists in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a message that's been um, spread I, from the Force Awakens onward that there is a gray area, and maybe there's a reason that the Jedi and the Sith have been waging war for thousands of years, and it's because neither of them searches for harmony. The prophecy was that the Skywalker, that Skywalker would bring balance to the Force, mm-hmm. but there is there is no balance in Sith and Jedi. Right. They're just two extremes. Yeah, and, and he, that even, even the Jedi did not themselves realize that they were, that the balance did not involve them. Right. And I think that might be a larger meta narrative that's being spread across the Star Wars universe at this point. Which I really dig. I mean, the Jedi are cool and all, but I, I, I do like the idea of sort of going back to um, Darth Revan's uh, philosophy, you know, of, of neither light nor dark. There is a harmony balance within. Like, you can, it's better to have, you have to acknowledge that both is within you if you're going to actually grow. Otherwise, you're going to fall to the extremes. Yeah, this uh, season premiere "Steps in a Shadow" was uh, not bad by any means. It was it was quite good, but it was nowhere near the showstopper "Empire Strikes Back" quality um, season premiere of season two. Yeah, I thought I thought this this premiere was a lot more thought provoking, or I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly it, it had me thinking a lot more than looking forward to the action like uh, if the season two premiere did. This was much more about like watching Ezra grow. And not necessarily all the right ways. Certainly, very few right ways. It, it seems. I mean, but he's he's definitely a very powerful, gifted Jedi at this point, and that was really cool to see. But at the same time, the way he was, infl- you know, bringing in those Sith holocron uh, teachings. And by the way, I, I I had just finished my binge watch of seasons one and two before starting this mm. uh, episode, and this episode actually f- makes a very good transition from the the finale of season two. Like it flows oh, yeah. very well thematically and also just tone (laughs) it just felt like like the next episode it was what i would have wanted to watch immediately after the finale yes i also felt that although it wasn't as uh like you say it wasn't as blockbustery showstopper as season two's premiere i felt that there was a lot more care given to story you know planting these uh story seeds for like future future payoffs like there's a lot going on like season two's premiere with vader and everything was very much more about an external conflict and like the immediate survival and the you know and the goal at that point now it's way more like whoa where is everybody emotionally and where are they going like these characters have taken a 
you know, a hard right turn after the end of season two. And this is catching up with where they are and what, what their tra- trajectory is going to be for the rest of the season. Now, um, we're going we're gonna to talk plenty more about Rebels on the other side of the blast doors. That's about as much as we could say without spoiling the experience or what's to come for that matter. But here's the weird big news that broke over the weekend. Justin Ridge is replacing Dave Filoni as supervising director of Rebels. So now does this mean Dave Filoni is stepping away entirely or just he's sort of shrinking to like uh, maybe a producer or something he, like he's that? He's still executive producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still very much, he's probably working in the same studio. And and Justin Ridge is a longtime collaborator. He worked as an episodic director on Clone Wars and Rebels. He's been there since day one. Um, but Filoni, they haven't announced anything yet, but I think it was either the last episode or the episode before of ours, of our show, State of the Empire, we've been hearing murmurs about another Star Wars animated series. Right. We don't know anything about it. Well, and we know when we were at Star Wars Celebration, Dave Filoni said that he had a couple other ideas for other shows that he was pitched really hard to get. Yeah. So I hope I hope some of those come to fruition. Yeah. Um, and now would be an okay time to talk about what... The, what those were uh, but i guess the, the point is that filoni is definitively working on another project right now mm-hmm. um and uh there's actually an official statement from lucasfilm about it this is uh this is recently uh dave is still just as involved as ever overseeing all aspects of star wars rebels production as executive producer and occasionally directing episodes in many ways mentoring justin and moving him into the role of supervising director has made it possible for dave to be even more immersed in the writing and story structure of the show as well as creatively overseeing future animation development justin started with lucasfilm animation on the first season of star wars the clone wars and worked with dave before that on avatar the last airbender so they've been working together for quite some time hmm so hmm what do we think is next i can tell you what i hope is next <laughs> the I, I want to hear that. What, what do you hope? The uh, the the pitch that Dave Filoni gave at Celebration for a Top Gun fighter school for the Tie Fighters. Okay, Imper- I'd be Imperial. To this. Yeah, Imperial Top Gun is like how he basically pitched it. And it, it's interesting because we have to assume that like Rebels is tying into um, a it, it's it's the transition the baton pass between. Um, you know the the prequel era and then this revival of the original trilogy era which we're also seeing in terms of rogue one so are we going to see a show that's reflected that's reflecting the new trilogy or are we going to find a show that also reflects this original trilogy era that is most definitely the number one cash cow of the star wars enterprise um my bet, however, would be that it would have something to do with the new films. In fact, Dave Filoni visited the set of Episode Eight not too long ago. That could mean nothing. I mean, he's a he's a well known entity in the Lucasfilm world. So him him being able to walk on set for Episode Eight and just pal around and take some publicity shots not too weird. But uh, but I think it would make sense for there to be something uh, as the mystery kind of gets lifted about the status quo of the Star Wars universe in the in the era of the new trilogy that it would it would make sense for there to be something in there maybe mm-hmm. it's a first order tie fighter school maybe huh i don't know they seem to be despite the new trilogy being or certainly episode say, 7 being as successful as it was they still seem to be pretty like entrenched in everything else exploiting that era like i believe 
conject like I mean the Battlefront game was only of that era. The uh I wanna say the 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 Visceral Studios game is probably going to be original trilogy era. Probably. Um, I don't know if that's been confirmed or not, but it certainly looked that way. Yeah. Well, and if this new show uh, took place in the same era as Rebels, there's easy potential for crossover stuff, like even using the same art assets. Like, you know, they wouldn't have to remodel TIE Fighters or characters even if it was like if it was of a similar style and it took place in the, you know, similar visual universe. I think we're just going to end up with like the, the Deep Space Nine to Rebels next year. I was I was kind of going in that direction. I was thinking I was thinking about yeah, saying something like, like that cuz like kind of kind of overlapping but on its own takes from the same thing while like you could then consider Clone Wars to be like the original series. I mean <laughs> and I I sure as hell wouldn't mind that. I mean the the a successful dichotomy between two shows happening in tandem, it can be great. It can be much like how they have mm-hmm. those Imperial Academy books, I forget what they're actually called, that take, that was, um, there's a series of young adult novels that are a spinoff of Rebels and and work within that continuity presently. Oh, yeah, the Servants of the Empire novels. Those were, those were a lot of fun. Yeah, those were great and very interesting to read the Imperial, like, the perspective of someone who is, cor- who discovers the corruption of the empire from within the system as opposed to being able to see everything externally from the beginning. Is that series done? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's possible. We know that the <laughs> the rebels timeline is a very big place. So, we'll see. Uh we'll see when they mm-hmm. choose to reveal the information of what comes next. There's a lot of uh there's a lot there's a lot of new things that are going to be revealed soon and the question is is it going to happen randomly or is it going to be tied to events like comic cons or uh Disney conventions Star Wars celebration etc when are they going to wait to unveil all this but certainly the Star Wars celebration in Orlando coming uh this this spring in 2017 um will be a hotbed of information it's the right time to discover things like what is that movie coming out in 2020? And uh, what is the next animated uh, Star Wars project? See, and, I, and, and like my blood pressure goes up thinking about how awesome <laughs> that could be. But then I'm like, are they just going to give us episode eight? Because, you know, that would be like right around the corner from there. And then it's like the return of Luke Skywalker. How could you ever be bigger than that? So I don't know if like how much other stuff we get. Well, I mean, announcements knows? announcements do not constitute, uh, let's say, enough information to really harm the promotion cycle for Episode Eight. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, look at how much information sure. we got about the Force Awakens when we went to Celebration. You know, very little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was still hyped up. It was yeah. still like crazy stuff. So I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna get a new trailer, and uh, I'd put money on them revealing what the next film is going to be, much like how they gave details about Rogue One. I mean, before Celebration, we knew very little about Rogue One. We knew, like, almost nothing. Like, we had the title, and we were pretty sure we knew what the story was, but we didn't have any facts, you know. And then when Gareth mm-hmm. Edwards comes out and he tells everybody everything, well, not everything, but he he explains a whole bunch, and we get the teaser images, concept art, and then the the, the short little teaser itself. And so I'm, I'm expecting something similar. But uh, one way or another, we're going to be there. So if you're going to be there, too, you should let us know. Now, let's move on to Rogue One. Hopefully, we're going to have a lot more to say about Rogue One in next week's episode. But 
maybe maybe we won't have so much to say because there's been a surprising amount of leaks already mm-hmm. of merchandise. And granted, we still <laughs> we still know only the broadest of strokes about the plot structure of this film, but we do have a lot of more kind of fun nuggets of information that are 100% safe for non-blast door consumption. Uh, first of all, since our last episode, the international trailer came out, and if you haven't seen it, you should totally check it out because it is, not surprisingly, as they always are, better than the American trailer. Um, a recent piece of news, which is very weird, I think, is that Michael Giacchino is going to replace Alexandra Desplat, uh, whose name I probably really fucked up there, as the composer of the film. Uh, Desplat was... So he was he was composer of Rogue One, but according to Hollywood Reporter, the reshoots for Rogue One altered the scoring calendar, so he's no longer available. So Michael Giacchino has stepped in, which is you know uh, I don't know what the other guy has done before. I'm not as familiar, but Michael Giacchino, I was a fan of Michael Giacchino way back uh, from when he did the music. I don't know if I ever talked about this on State of the Empire before, but um, the first time I got familiar with him was when I was playing the PlayStation One. Uh, video game for the lost world uh the draft for the jurassic park sequel and i remember hearing the music and thinking this sounds a lot like john williams did they get john williams to do this like this doesn't make sense this i i have the soundtrack to the lost world and this is none of that so i w- beat the game watched the credits and it was like michael giacchino who the hell is that uh whatever then medal of honor came out and i'm like this sounds a lot like john williams and it's like music by michael giacchino i'm like who is this guy and why does he sound so much like John Williams and you know time goes on and then he starts making movies and I'm like oh man look this Michael Giacchino I know like no one else knew who this guy was but I knew who he was and then he did Star Trek and I was just like I I already know him by now you know (laughs) oh oh Mike yeah I know Mike (laughs) like it it was it was whatever so I have complete faith in him as a composer I mean even when he's not channeling directly John Williams when he was channeling John Williams it sounded a hell of a lot like John Williams but I'm curious to see well, now, how much of it's going to sound like that. Yeah, versus now he's going to he seriously channel John Williams. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like, for oh, real this time. Doug, Doug I, I don't know. Did you see that about the Lost World uh, N64 game in relation to Jurassic World? No, not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how true it is. According to some people on Reddit, Giacchino, he referenced his Lost World music in his Jurassic World score. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> I, I, would, it, it, I don't know that see i've only ever read that on reddit so i don't know how true that is if if you but, could link me to it i could tell you because i was pretty familiar with the score because i loved it when i was playing the game the, the suggestion from reddit was that he should probably quote the rogue squadron soundtrack for rogue <laughs> one <laughs> well i mean so if he does that if he does that, I mean, he's totally got my did vote. He do, I was wait, did, much more looking forward to Alexander Desplat doing the music. But if that's the case, like, he's definitely a referential type of composer. Right. Like, Well, did he do and, the music for, for Rogue Squadron? No, he didn't. Okay, well, then why would he reference that? He did the music. Literally, he did the music for the Lost World video game. Well, he wrote but it. I think he, but he, he can acknowledge that, like... He can go to certainly a video game source. I mean, it may have. It's been not his a video own, game source. It's his source. He wrote it. That's like the- I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't think it could hurt if he's looking for a theme for this for this you know group of rogues, you know, for him to go to Rogue Squadron. I hear I'm what you're saying. saying. Yeah, but I'm just saying it, when you self plagiarism is style. <laughs> so you know. Yeah. It, 
Well, um, you know, there there might be something to that um, as far as like a connection between Rogue Squadron and Rogue One, uh, other than that the possibility that Rogue Squadron names themselves themselves after Rogue One and kind of memoriam for the characters who we can assume will be ill-fated. But there is actually a game coming out, just to, to jump forward a little bit to, to video games, which is that there's some Battlefront VR coming out. Star Wars Battlefront Rogue One X-Wing VR mission. And aside from it not saying Rogue Squadron and saying Rogue, Rogue One in there, this is, this is putting you, literally putting you in an X-Wing cockpit and uh, if that's something that's on the mind of anybody, like we've ne- we haven't talked about there being X-wing dogfighting in the Rogue One film, no one has said anything about mm-hmm. that exactly. We can assume maybe there will be some. This could be a prologue mission too, somehow, or you know. But here we have something that's branded as Rogue One that is legitimately an X-wing mission. What it is is a battle with a star destroyer, ties in every direction with the wingmen who you need to keep alive. And it's available for free to all owners of Star Wars Battlefront and pl- the PlayStation VR headset on PS4 when it comes out. And I actually don't know when that is, but uh, but th- I believe that is uh, next month. I believe it's in October. Cool. Well, so that's uh. Do we know anyone who's who has it pre-ordered or? Well, it's it's free. I, I, I do. No, I mean the the, the headset. <laughs> oh, the headset. Yeah, not I, free. I, have, I have the I have the headset pre-ordered. Ah, nice. Okay. Well, we expect a full report. Uh, you'll he get one. <laughs> he won't be here because he'll be playing the game. <laughs> he can just virtual conference call his way in. Skype window it in as he's in, in his cockpit. And I, I will only respond to the call sign Rogue Leader <laughs> if you guys are going to talk to me through the like, headset. Uh, Matt, are you choice? Uh, hey, my name. Call signs only, <laughs> like, please. Like, and you just hear dogfighting ties in the background. <laughs> yeah, cut chatter Rogue, too. <laughs> so um, we got some details from these action figures, okay? We we've uh, we got we can link you to pictures on the the episode notes for this episode of uh, Black Series toys. Uh, that's the six inch uh, Star uh, Star Wars toys and the uh, th- the regular size uh, three and three quarters inch toys in the standard Star Wars format. Um, some some of the expected stuff in the Black Series we have K two the robot. Uh, the droid, <laughs> the robot, um, the Death Trooper, and then uh, the first reveal of the name of a new planet. Captain Cassian Andor wearing some very warm-looking clothes, and it said that this is the Edu um, variation. Then in the um, 3.75-inch figures, we had a uh, Jen Erso with an Edu variation, where she's also looking very warm and snuggly. Hmm. So maybe that's the um, Icelandic wasteland or whatever. We thought that was a flashback when we were looking when we were evaluating Rogue One shots, but yeah. um, but there might be. Uh, well, there's there's basically there's another biome in this film that we haven't necessarily seen other than, other than the beach. Yeah. Now they they said there was a frozen desert, and that might be also what they're talking about. But we I don't know. It's kind of been confusing as to like what shots are taking place in what in what locations, right? Because we have a sandy place, and then we have a frosty place. And then there's not any there's not any snow, but one of these places is cold. Mm-hmm. And then we got the beaches, mm-hmm. and then we got the jungles. So, yeah, there's there's a lot uh, there's still a lot of pieces to put together with this film. Um, in the uh, three point seven five figures, there was also something we hadn't seen before at all, which was the Imperial ground crew. We don't know what it is exactly. They probably just like the guys who wave in star starships. Right. They come with these batons that could be seen as flight control batons, 
But these guys, they have these crazy armored um, helmets, masks, really. They look scary. And in the art on the box, the batons are totally being used in a kind of like defensive baton posture, like battle batons. Oh, it might just be like an action pose for the box art, you know? It like. might be. Because, you know, flagging down a plane and moving it, like, you know, like with both arms, it doesn't, it's not great to sell well, an action figure. You know, maybe the Imperial batons have offensive capabilities as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> um, but it's a cool looking figure, uh, regardless. There's also released some two packs, uh, one including a new character called Moroff, who's a shaggy, yeti looking guy in a mask. Um, his species is a Gigoran. And his description says, Moroff seeks out combat zones to sell his brawn and firepower to anyone who might need it. The mighty Gagoran mercenary figures there's money to be made for a towering heavy gunner. And he comes packaged with a Scarif Stormtrooper squad leader. And that character's description says, Specialist Stormtroopers stationed on the top-secret Imperial military headquarters in Scarif. Shore troopers patrol the beaches and bunkers on the planetary facility. The other action figure two-pack of note is uh, Pow, the screaming dude from the trailer. Um, he's listed as a rebel commander and comes packaged with a death trooper. The details on him is that his species is a Drabata, and his description is an amphibious Drabata. The fierce commando Pow charges into battle with a full-throated battle cry of Sakala, which is what I assume it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> he joins the Rogue One team on its historic mission to secure the Death Star plans. I cannot wait to hear the descriptions for the Halloween costumes for the cast of Rogue One. Because if they're anything like they were for Force Awakens, they were batshit bonkers and had nothing to do with the film whatsoever. <laughs> like the one that said I hope, that, they're, I hope they're still using that company. Those oh, amazing. please, yes. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully next week we can report on those. Maybe it's too early, maybe it's not. I don't know. And we're getting close to we're, Halloween. I mean, yeah, the, the costumes are already coming out. Disney's already recalled the Maui costume for uh, uh, for their, their uh, Hawaiian princess film that I can't remember the name of. So, any, any update on the Zuvio costumes? Any? No? <laughs> uh, the rising in market value. <laughs> They're super rare now. <laughs> Um, in the vehicles, we have uh, a very cool U-Wing figure that comes with Cassian Andor and a TIE Striker. Both of them, which I think is an interesting note, both of them have nerf. They, they shoot red or green nerf darts from them, which is a, a feature that we also saw on the uh, ATACT uh, figure from uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Or vehicle from Comic Con, but uh, like it's weird that that the that Nerf is a Nerf firing vehicles are now that's now a standard thing for Star Wars. It's weird because they're such they're so disproportionate to the rest of the the body of the vehicle. Yeah, but, but they're fun because I, I mean I remember when we because uh, Matt you and I talked about before like we had those action fleet um, uh, X wing Tie fighter. Uh, 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 joysticks that would actually fire the plastic bolts that were actually the proper size, but. Mm -hmm. If you lost those, game you know, over, man. Yeah, game over. <laughs> also, if you hit someone in the eye with those, those would hurt. Like you know, they would like they, they actually flew pretty far and they were hard plastic, so they looked great and they moved great. But if you lost them, that was it, and they would hurt you. But with the foam darts, I mean, it gets it's easy to find and they're soft. And I what's mean, interesting is that in the photos, maybe it's just good photos, but they actually don't appear to be cumbersomely placed on it. You know, yeah. they're not really noticeable. And you, you don't need as good aim to shoot an action figure. And like right. knock it over. It has maybe a little bit more oomph to it. 
one final note in the action figure front from Rogue One is that they there's a 12-inch Interactech Stormtrooper figure. This is a figure that has 65 sound and light effects. And it comes with a jetpack. Um, and uh, there's there's some some of the phrases from this thing that have leaked online already. And there's some that you'd expect. Because it's a Stormtrooper, there's lots of room for this not being a Rogue One figure specifically. For example, the line, there's one, set for stun. Okay, sure. Um, but here's a couple others that are kind of like, huh? That maybe indicates something from the film. There's one, he has a jetpack and says, let's take this fight to the sky. Eh, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, maybe. <laughs> there's one that says aerial attack and also head for the canyon, which sounds overly specific. Hmm. I mean, you know, uh, I've, growing up, I remember G.I. Joe's. There were G- just generic G.I. Joe's that had voice, uh, uh, things where you'd hit their backpack with four different buttons and they would say random things like that, like, you know, get down. Hit the dirt, you know, open fire to the left, you know, like it's... Yes, but... And if you have one wearing a jetpack, it would make sense. <laughs> Let's take this battle to the scars. Hold- you know, it's like, that's what you'd want to do. That's true. That's true. However, this is not the first time that there's been a talking Star Wars figure that has revealed minute aspects about a plot to the film beforehand. Mm-hmm. We, we discussed this last year with Force Awakens mm-hmm. figures. Mm-hmm. So, But those were also main characters saying very specific lines to other specific main characters. Why the fuck is he talking about a canyon? <laughs> why the fuck not? Like, if he was, if it was the same thing, it's just, what, what, what do you expect him to say? Like, alright, we're gonna take... I'm, I'm, just, just, I'm just saying there's a scene with a canyon. <laughs> we already seen in the teaser! Yeah, the X-Wings go diving into a canyon, so whatever. Sure. There are no stormtroopers in that scene. I'm talking about another scene with another canyon. Yeah, because the X-Wings are just flying into an empty canyon where there's other X-Wings that are going to meet and have a picnic. Well, as soon as I see this thing, I'm going to press its button 65 times and I'm going <laughs> to hear every word he has to say. Tell me your secrets. <laughs> it's like you're going to interrogate this this toy. <laughs> and then you're going to be eating Lothrat. <laughs> one final note about Rogue One. Um, Bob Iger's seen the film. <laughs> and here, this... <laughs> Matt's laughing because he knows already. There's a quote that's been republished everywhere. Vanity Fair, Hollywood Reporter, they do it. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but it's we, we haven't been able to find the original source for it. We don't know if we should re- be reading this exactly as it's written. But if you read the ellipses in this quote, it, he says it's a, it's a spinoff experiment that he called really interesting in terms of storytelling. <laughs> really interesting in terms of dot 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 yeah, storytelling cap I, I just want to say how much like better ethics you have to actually kind of give the the ellipses sort of like disclaimer because it probably like is being taken out of context for the sake of like that's what i'd like See, to believe. yeah well now all right you guys are giving him too much credit still do you do not do you not remember when he was talking about indiana jones dude i know this guy's a toolbox i'm just saying it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna read you i'm gonna reread you the quote about indiana jones Five. This is there's there's multiple quotes, but here he goes. Right now we're focused on a reboot or a continuum, and then some code, and, and then a reboot of some sort. Then he goes on to say, "We'll bring him back for Indiana Jones Five, and then we'll have to figure out what comes next." That's what I mean. It's not really a reboot. It's a boot. A reboot. I don't know. But what's? <laughs> but then what's the direction? I've had discussions with what the direction is, but I don't want to get into it. So it's like the, 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 I, he he's not very good at at at, at talking to journalists and getting a, uh, a coherent idea across. <laughs> yes, he is terrible at it, yes. Uh, it's a good point, very good point. So if he's just like, oh no, I just I really liked it in terms of storytelling. Well, well this- not the storytelling. The storytelling's fine. 
But, you know, I'm just saying, we know a guy who's working on the script. I mean, the script's written, but, you know, it's like... It, In this he, case, he was not speaking to a journalist. He was speaking... He was at a board meeting. Whatever. Like, he, he, he trips he's a over... Bus- he's a businessman. I assume that he's good at the business part. Yeah, but he trips over himself all the time Like when it comes to talking about uh, a story because he doesn't want to give anything away either. He may have stopped himself short before giving something away. He could have said, it's very, you know, uh, it's, it's very interesting in terms of, like, character death. Well, not character death, but, like, questioning... Oh, <laughs> uh, never mind. Fuck it. Storytelling. You know, it's like... <laughs> I would love I would love a Bob Iger quote that that ends with "fuck it." <laughs> <laughs> I want I want the Bob Iger action figure with four different buttons that say "head to the canyon." <laughs> you hit one, it says it's a reboot. Second one, eh, it's not a reboot. It's a boot. <laughs> I think whenever we read Iger quotes on air from now on, we should just end it with "fuck it." <laughs> Rogue One is very interesting in terms of storytelling. Fuck it. <laughs> Eh, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> um, one last Rogue One thing, one additional last Rogue One thing, is that Rogue One Catalyst by James Luceno is coming out November 15th, and we have a description of it. Here it is. War is tearing the galaxy apart. For years, the Republic and the Separatists have battled across the stars, each building more and more deadly technology in an attempt to win the war. As a member of Chancellor Palpatine's top-secret Death Star project, Orson Krennic is determined to develop a superweapon before their enemies can. An old friend of Krennic's, the brilliant scientist Galen Erso, could be the key. Galen's energy-focused research has captured the attention of both Krennic and his foes, making the scientist a crucial pawn in the galactic conflict. But after Krennic rescues Galen, his wife Lyra, and their young daughter Jen from Separatist kidnappers, the Erso family is deeply in Krennic's debt. Krennic then offers Galen an extraordinary opportunity— to continue his scientific studies with every resource put utterly at, a dis- at his disposal. While Galen and Lyra believe that his energy research will be used purely in altruistic ways, Krennic has other plans. That Idiot. Will f- that will finally make the Death Star a reality. Trapped in their benefactor's tightening grasp, the Ersos must untangle Krennic's web of deception to save themselves and the galaxy itself. And hey, that sounded really revealing. I'm sorry, don't shoot the messenger. That's the description of the book. Mm-hmm. Hey, that that is hey, that's an official blurb. There's no spoiler there. I I am more excited about this at, at this point than the actual movie, to be honest. Because <laughs> like for me, like James Luchena, like I mean, he's obsessed with connecting every little piece of Star Wars history in the old expanded universe, and that was why I was so clever to have him write the Tarkin novel, so he could bring in elements and kind of reestablish what was what in this new Disney verse. And for him to come and say like, all right. It's been really confusing how ever since George Lucas decided to have that random uh, hologram of the Death Star over, you know, during the Geonosis sequence in Attack of the Clones, it's gotten real complicated, the Death Star's history. They wrote an entire book about it called Death Star. And (laughs) it was just, you know, it's all over the place because they had already established that, like, Tarkin was sort of working on it, like, after Phantom Menace and, like... Then Tarkin's history got rewritten, and it's got all kinds of confusing. So just like, you know what? James, write us this book that will bring us from Attack of the Clones to Rogue One. And they couldn't have picked a better author to be doing this. And I'm super, super excited about this book. Yeah. So pre-order it now. Follow our Amazon links to pre-order it. So uh, State of the Empire gets a little bit of kickback for, uh, for your Star Wars purchases. And, uh, of course, you can always do that at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon and bookmark that and make that your only portal for Amazon. Just a little quick plug there. But uh, there's lots of cool Star Wars stuff coming out. And uh, if you buy any of it through Amazon, you should do it through us. Moving on to Han Solo. We, uh, we got some, some interesting notes here. One thing we can confirm, 
Bradford Young is cinematographer. He worked on Ain't Them Body Saints. Cell- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And a most violent year, which is uh, an inspired choice. Someone with a, yeah. an artier background than you might suspect for Han Solo. Yeah, some good looking movies. And um, a quote, a tweet, actually, from Mashable's Jeff Snyder. He said, last I heard, the Han Solo search for a female lead was down to four girls, and they weren't white. Which has led many to suspect that uh, the film is actually going to feature Santa Staros, the woman who uh, likes to say that she's Han Solo's wife from the Star Wars comics. Hmm. Which would be the? Uh, I, hope uh, they, I hope they do her better than they've been doing her character in the comics. <laughs> yeah, she man, they introduce her and then they do nothing with her. Nope, it's been really weird. Uh, yeah, I feel like in the com- in the Star Wars comics from Marvel, a lot of stuff happens where they introduce a, a neat idea and then for some reason don't aren't aren't given or give or give themselves the the authors themselves the opportunities to explore that idea at all unless it's a miniseries. Yep. It's a weird reoccurring thing. A- after flipping yeah. through several of these issues, I noticed a reoccurring theme of story is happening. I mean, it's a typical cliffhanger for a comic book to make you want to get the next issue, but it's always like the last page, someone's wrapping up business somewhere. And then a new person walks into the room and everyone's like, what? And then it's like, tune in next time. So it's like introducing characters. I, I don't know how you're going to keep up with it. Like the, it's, it's, it's a reoccurring thing where they're dropping these these plot points. Like the same way when we first saw Sana Solo. It's like she shows up oh, at the God. end. What? Yeah. And then it never hey. gets picked up. Like, Yeah, makes makes general news across the internet. Doesn't really go much of anywhere. Uh, the the hut that collects like all these like Jedi yeah you know trinkets and archives and everything else you know for the sake of like Luke being able to explore his Jedi roots nope let's uh let's drop that plot from yeah. you know instead we're left here connecting the dots as to whether Luke went back there uh, sh- looking at the map in Force Awakens seeing that he yep. may have gone back there it's like we're putting all that together well, when you could easily make a comic that explains all of that and then uh the that that character gets picked up again years later in the Poe Dameron comic. Right. So there's, I mean, there's synergy in it, but it's weird that the stories don't have a normal paced flow when they, they show off something and then are kind of forced to string along for a while before they can actually make a point. Yeah. Like, uh, Sana Solo or Sana Staros should be of some relevance at some point, but maybe, just maybe, 
if this is true and they're actually they actually are casting her character, they were like, shit, Jason Aaron, that's a really good idea. Um, but but Lord and Miller found out about that, the directors of Han Solo, and they want to work her in here. So now you're gonna have to put that character, she's gotta still be in the stories, but you're gonna have to like not explore her for a few uh, months yeah, while we true. while we yeah. make sure we tell the parts of her story we want to tell in the movie first and you don't get to touch those. Yeah, because maybe you know, that's a great point. They could have they could have had a plan laid out in the comic where they're like, Who are you? What's your deal? And then she was like, Oh, here's my deal. Han and I, this is how we go back, blah, 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 blah. And now they're like, Oh shit, you can't say it in the comic now because that's gonna be in the new movie so and the reason i bring that up at that that hypothetical situation is that shit happens all the time and stuff relating to the marvel cinematic universe for example so you know too many cooks in the kitchen and some shit falls on the floor (laughs) um now last time we talked about donald glover being the a, a rumored first pick for lando in the han solo film and I feel that that's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. I, I think Donald. There's a lot of fan interest in Donald Glover being Lando, and and I get it. I I liked him in Community. He's like Childish Gambino is pretty cool, but I also kind of feel like the fan interest in it being Donald Glover, and this is going to sound potentially. There's going to be some conflict about me saying this, but I think that uh, maybe most white nerds don't know enough black actors. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is that there that there aren't enough there are more white people in television and films than there are black people in television and films mm-hmm. um because there's just not enough general purpose diversity in casting. And so of course Donald Glover's the first person you go to. He's one he's of the, the first f- person you can name. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of, he's one of the a handful of black actors working in other nerd genre who's age, who's age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my pick. And this is this is a uh, this is someone who I've encountered recently. I love him. I think he is. If they if they can find someone as good as this dude to play Lando, I will applaud them. But I think this guy is, has got to be the definitive Lando. His name is uh, Shamik Moore, and he's from Dope. And what I've seen him in is the Get Down, the uh, Netflix series, which is exceptional. If you haven't checked it out, I oh, highly he was, recommend. He was it. the main character in Dope. Was he? Th- yes, oh. Matt. You've seen Dope, right? Oh, he was fantastic and dope. Well, and he like, and he's I mean, Shaolin fantastic in the Get Down, which is character's name. Yeah, he 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 would be perfect just from a pure acting standpoint of being clearly a very gifted actor with a lot of on-screen charisma that is a absolute necessity for Lando Calrissian. Yeah, in in the Get Down, the Get Down takes place in 1977, and he's he's not playing a character where I'm like, oh, he's just channeling Billy D. Williams there. In fact, he's not at all. But I he's one, an extremely good actor, and two, full of charm, and three, I can tell he can do it. Like, I can imagine this guy selling Colt 45. <laughs> well, the same way when with, you, the, you, with the, you, same, the same charm and style. Like, I don't drink, but I kind of want that now. The, right. You're saying some, this is similar to what you're saying about, uh, what's his name, the guy who's going to be playing the new young Han Solo. Yeah, Alden Ehrenich. Yeah, with Alden Ehrenich, you, you said, oh, he wasn't playing a Han Solo ripoff, but you can see how he could play Han Solo differently. He's not just going to be copying Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah, so Shamik Moore, he's my pick. Uh, if you can do better than that, I, I challenge you. I, I've, as soon as I saw him in the get down, I was like, holy crap, I think, I think this is Lando. Hopefully Lord Miller thinks so too. 
Um, the movie comes out May 25th, 2018, and I suppose we'll probably find out who Lando is, um, being, or who's cast as Lando next year. Uh, now, we got some quick Episode 8 stuff. There was an interview with Adam Driver in Collider, which was interesting. He was talking about the process of working on uh, Episode 8. It's a good, long interview, and I'm going to read some excerpts from it right now. He said, I learned a lot of things about my character through Rain Johnson's writing. He was working on the script while we were still working on the first one. To understand what J.J. was doing and to take ownership from there is kind of a remarkable thing. And he's the most polite, unassuming guy, and he was appropriately territorial about some things, but would still be first to admit when something's not working. It's similar to how The Empire Strikes Back has a different tone. Uh, For that, people always go, ooh, it's dark, but I don't know that it necessarily is. It's just different in tone in a way that I think is great and necessary, but also very clear. He trusts that his audience is ready for nuance and ambiguity. He's not dumbing anything down for someone, and that's really fun to play. The stakes are even higher, I think. No one is real- is relaxing. Saying all the things I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Um, and uh, here's, a little, here's a little thing that's not a spoiler, I feel. Um, Making Star Wars has reported that a rumor that Episode Eight will feature a continuation of the flashback sequence from The Force Awakens. Hmm. Um, what's specifically rumored is the sequence involving Rey, Luke Skywalker, R2, Kylo Ren, and dead bodies of youthful characters. They said some documents appear to reveal late adolescent kids have been brought back to play the dead Padawans for, of Luke Skywalker's Jedi Order. That that whole scene was essentially like they made, they made um, lightsabers for these dead characters. The whole scene was planned out when they filmed it originally for Force Awakens, and that people have been called back to do a new version of that scene. Huh. The reason Ray would be in the scene was because because she would be herself having a vision in right. which she's walking through it happening. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, a, another Star Wars first, much like picking up a film right after the last one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I believe it. I think it's possible. Um, some... Uh, some kind of random stuff that we don't have any clue what it's in reference to exactly. Is it so, uh, something strange happened on Ray Park's Twitter recently? That's the guy who played Darth Maul, the body of Darth Maul, not the voice of Darth Maul. That's been several people. Uh, a fan asked him if he could explain an image from what they presumed was a deleted scene from episode one of Obi-Wan and, and Maul like leaping at each other with lightsabers on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. I remember this image when, uh, when they were promoting episode one. Park explained that it was a promo shot for Vanity Fair, but then he added, however, it may be a sign of things to come, and then added four winky faces. <laughs> I think he may just be teasing everybody. I don't, like, how could that be? That's just hopeful thinking. I don't I don't see how it, it could be a sign of things to come that they planned all those years ago for a photo shoot for Vanity Fair. He says exactly what it is. It was a photo shoot for Vanity Fair. Well, not that it would not that they would plan from a photo shoot for Vanity Fair, but maybe that Darth Maul is going to return to a live action thing. But you can't get that from a photo from all those years ago. Well, no, you wouldn't. Right. But it, it would be like this fan being like, "Hey, what's up with this?" And he's like, "Well, nothing." But hey, <laughs> I know some shit though. Eh. Like that's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And more fans are taking another leap and being like, "Shit, Obi Wan movie confirmed." <laughs> yeah, I'm not mm. re- ready to say that yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Especially not when uh, so much work is being done with Obi Wan in the Star Wars comics. We've uh, we've talked about the reoccurring issues of Jason Aaron's series Star Wars, where they've had basically uh, Obi Wan's journal when he was on Tatooine and showing him 
kind of taking care of Luke in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And that's seemingly ruled out the possibility of him having a whirlwind adventure <laughs> during that time. Star Wars no- issue 26 is actually a story featuring Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon. We don't know in what capacity. So just... I, I, do you think that capacity is during the prequel era, or do you think that there's some like communion shit going on <laughs> between all of their Jedi spirits and whatnot? I'm hoping it's going to be an all Force Ghost issue of Star Wars. <laughs> well, I mean, not not Obi Wan and Yoda, but I just mean like mention that he's you know doing some communing among the dead, well, considering Qui Gon is supposedly the one teaching the two of them. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, if Ezra sits down in a Jedi temple on Lothal, and all of a sudden Yoda's talking to him. Uh, yeah. Then certainly Obi Wan was just dialing up Yoda on the the Force cell phone, being like, "Hey, Master, what's shaking?" Yeah, and and as I mentioned to you, Cap, I, 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 I do firmly believe. <laughs> oh, you know, still smells here. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I I feel the assumption. First of all, the Rebels has made it seem like Yoda has some has some hope for Ezra and Kanan and Ahsoka because I mean he's there to help. Yeah, so. Certainly Yoda wants to see them do well. I don't even know if Yoda's convinced that like Luke is the answer answer. Or maybe he's just trying to preserve them long enough that they become, you know, Luke's future Jedi. Who knows what the plan Yoda has for them, if any. Um, but I think one of the interesting aspects of this, this comic is the potential to reveal, to, to give Luke knowledge of Yoda before, you know, because he's reading Obi-Wan's journals and all these Star Wars ongoing comics. Is, is to let him know that Yoda existed in some way. Maybe not to describe him as like, you know, a tiny green guy, but, you know, so that he's still surprised when he gets to Dagobah. But I think what's an interesting comment from Empire Strikes Back is when Luke says, I'm looking for a great warrior. And it's like, well, how does he know? I mean, I guess he can assume that he's a great warrior because he was a Jedi Knight, but maybe because Luke has read a story in Obi-Wan's journal that tells him about, of this great warrior named Yoda. Yeah, and so, that, that makes sense because Obi Wan's like, he, "Go see Yoda," and Luke's like, "Oh, whoa, okay." You know, it'll be interesting to see how that changes the the dynamic in Empire Strikes Back because you know now Luke might be thinking, "Holy crap, Yoda's alive!" Like, I didn't realize that that guy that I was reading about, you know, two years ago in your journal, is still kicking it. Yeah, and that that's what I'm hoping for. I think that I think yes. that would be a cool story. Um, yep. While we're on the topic of comics, a new Star Wars ongoing is coming out in December. They're actually going to get two issues in that month alone. And uh, as Darth Vader is ending, Kieran Gillen is transitioning over to this other Star Wars book. And we have no clue what it is. It's part- Well, I could guess. <laughs> oh, what, what's your guess? My guess is it's, is it's uh, Dr. Aphra and her two crazy, crazy droids. Oh, you think so? You think they'd, they'd, they'd give her an ongoing book? Uh, I think they're convinced that everybody wants to read that ongoing book. <laughs> I don't think they're bad characters. I just think they think they're more interesting than they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of, uh, they've suffered this. They're not, they're not bad. They've suffered the same dilution that a lot of the mainstay yes. Star Wars comics have had. There's a, a weird sort of like, I feel like they act as if we know enough about them to like them. But in fact, we've been given too little to enjoy them to that level. I also don't find them that skillful. I feel like half of their good fortune is luck. Like, I've yet to see them do something where I go, oh, that's why the Empire keeps relying on them. You know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because they, they, 
they can't be as bad as we're told they are right because they're always put in scenarios with characters that can't die right and if they were put in scenarios with characters whose fates we don't know then maybe some shit would happen right um but yeah i always felt dark horse has done so far a much better job or you know had done a much better job by this point of introducing characters that i felt were on an even keel level in the universe to the big three you know, Luke, Leia, Han, like just certainly people that that exist alongside them instead of guest star. And I know it's because it's like there's still Vader's ongoing and then like the main three's ongoing series. So everybody's playing secondary to them. But I think that might be the issue is that they haven't gone out and done original character series yet. It's still mini series based on existing characters or it's ongoings based on existing characters. Well, when you introduce an old girlfriend to Han Solo, suddenly they say, sorry, you can't write that anymore. They're in a movie. And you're like, oh, shit, better play it safe because every time we come up with something new, they take it away from us. Yeah, they they need to do a series that has nothing to do with the main struggle and let them thrive on their own. And I guess, in a way, that's kind of what Rogue One is. So, Well, uh, I'd say find out at New York Comic Con whether or not Matt's prediction is correct and whether or not it's it's an Afra and Droids book. Could always be Boba Fert. <laughs> Could be. Um, I would like to read that book. <laughs> yeah. The um the artist on that, by the way, is Kev Walker of Uncanny Inhumans. Now, um there's a quote from Ben Sherwood, head of ABC Television in regards to a live-action Star Wars television series. And it's an interesting quote, so I'm going to read it. It's inconclusive. Um, The Star Wars plans rest at the hands of Walt Disney Studios chairman Alan Horn, Kathleen Kennedy, and the great folks at Lucasfilm. Somewhere, we hope, in a galaxy not too far away, there will be a television show that will air on one of our networks, but I wouldn't get anybody's hopes too high. They have a lot more movies to make between now and then. We're deep into a very productive relationship with Lucasfilm making Star Wars Rebels. And we are ongoing in in conversations with them on what the next Star Wars animated show will be. That was actually the first major hint we had to there being a Star Mm -hmm. Wars animated show. But it happened between the last two episodes. So Mm -hmm. it's the first you're hearing about it. Um, And then uh, closing out our spoiler-free Star Wars stuff discussion of... Video games, for starters, the Death Star DLC is out for Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, of course, we mentioned the um, the VR, the Battlefront VR. But here's something that's uh, that might be a total bummer if you're still playing it. Star Wars Uprising is shutting down. The game, yeah, uh, it's a mobile game. It's a mobile game RPG, and it launched September uh, 2015, and it's shutting down November 17th, 2016. They put up a message that read, Dear player, despite the best efforts of our team here at Kabam, unfortunately Star Wars Uprising will soon be decommissioned. Uh, the servers will be shut down November 17th, 2016. And there's an FAQ starting with, Why is Star Wars Uprising shutting down? They said, While Star Wars Uprising was enjoyed by a great community of players since its launch, the game is no longer achieving the level of success needed to maintain the game, and the decision was made to discontinue support. So they... Uh, they they don't have the resources to bother to keep the lights on and uh, continue to, to, to provide support for it. So, boom, away it goes. And I actually, you know, I don't, I don't love mobile games, and I don't have a lot of time for video games in general these days, unfortunately. So Uprising was not a high priority of mine. I don't even know. It, it took place, it was the first thing to take place after the uh, original trilogy, and I don't know if they actually... Um, did any serious work with building the world of a destabilized, um, you know, a galaxy? I have no idea, Matt. Did you did you dig deep into it at all, or not deep? But 
they did localize a lot of the events within one sector. So mm. it didn't seem indicative of the universe at large or the galaxy. Yeah. And uh, kind of aftermath then came in and kind of, I felt, just basically said, up oh, all the unrest immediately after Endor, we kind of like, you know, everything's stabilizing now and we're, we're getting a government together. So don't worry about it. So, <laughs> Are you guys ready for Indie Inquiry? Eh, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, we got no new news on the Indiana Jones film due out uh, July 19th, 2019. But we do have news about a new Indiana Jones project, completely unofficial, but potentially very, very awesome. There is, on September 29th, as in this very week, a fan film that's an animated fan film. It's been uh, in production for about five years, since uh, 2011. It's called The Adventures of Indiana Jones. And uh, it has an interesting point of origin. When Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was coming out, Lucasfilm and Acme Archives commissioned... Patrick Schoenemaker, an artist and animator from the Netherlands, to create an art print of Indy as an animated character. He did the print. That was it as far as official stuff goes. But then it lit some kind of spark, and for the past five years, he's been developing this. We don't know the length. We don't know the plot. But there's a bunch of concept art online, and I'm super excited to check it out. So we'll be giving a full debriefing on that after we've seen it with the uh, the next uh, <laughs> State of the Empire recording. Something that we have seen in the concept art are, and I don't know if these characters are actually going to appear, but we've seen Short Round, Marcus, and Henry Jones Sr. It would be awesome to see uh, to see all those characters interacting together, Short Round and uh, and the the f- older Doctor Jones. Yeah, yeah, I, I want that. I, I would like to see the dog Indiana. <laughs> I would like him to play sort of a bat dog type role. <laughs> that would be rad. <laughs> Or someone just says, someone yells out, Indy! Both Dr. Jones and the dog go, they look over. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we do not have some Willow Watch for you this time. We're going to have Willow Watch for you next time. We're running a little short on time. And we don't really have any Willow news, but we do have some more morsels from the source book. So look forward to that um, in next week's episode of State of the Empire. Before we open the blast doors... We got, uh, we got some shout-outs we got to give. State of the Empire and all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network are entirely fan-funded. We exist purely because you want us to, and the best way to show that is uh, to help us stay alive via the financial IV drip of your money. Um, it means the world to us, and the best way you can support us is via Patreon. That's patreon.com slash nerdyshow or nerdyshow.com slash support for all the details and all the different ways you can give to us. But at Patreon, you get all kinds of support perks, including a lot of bonus audio from State of the Empire. Another way you can help help us out that uh, doesn't involve money is rating and reviewing our show on iTunes. And we have two recent uh, plugs from fans that I think would be great to read here. We got uh, one called Subscribe to, Listened, and Loved This Podcast by Jay Buzzo. He said, this is, in my opinion, the best Star Wars podcast by the people, for the people. All facets of Star Wars, including movies, TV, novels, games, and expanded universe lore are covered by people that love the galaxy far, far away as much as I do. I know it's going to be a great day when I see a new episode is available. I always listen all the way through, no matter what else needs to be done. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank thank you, Jay Buzzo. A glowing, a glowing review. And uh, Shaded Sprider said, 
Keeping Willow Alive. Best Star Wars news within five parsecs, and the only place where you will find in-depth discussion about the future of the classic Willow. Just not this episode. But next episode, though, Mm. oh yeah, it's going to happen. Now it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Should we talk about um, Rebels first in regards to uh, owls and their eyes and what that might mean? (laughs) Yes, please. Dave Filoni said some cryptic shit in his interview about the, the frequently appearing owls and those owls' eyes and what that might mean. And I don't, Matt, I think you have a better perspective on this than I do. I, I have no clue, no, I, no, no clue what he's talking about. Well, I just know that, I mean, we talked about it last season in the, um, I, it wasn't the penultimate episode. It's whatever the, you know, the third to last, I guess. But, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, the penultimate week because the, the finale was a, a two-parter on the same day. But there was that strange sort of like, they almost look like Lothcats with wings. That yeah. landed and the Imperial theme started to play a little bit and Ezra gazed off into the stars and it came a scene after Ahsoka was meditating. And we, we both said, like, what was going on there? Like, there was something to that. And I watched that scene a couple more times. And first of all, it's just beautifully done. Like, music and, like, the camera work that they had and everything. It was just really, really pretty. But I still have no idea. I guess they were insinuating that Ezra was going to start leaning dark. But I feel like there's a little bit more going on there. That owl has since made a re- returns to the series. Like it was featured in the premiere episode with Bendu, yeah. and um, I guess they you could see it at the towards the end of the finale from last season when they returned to Chopper Base. Yeah, and isn't it in the is it in the Ahsoka art that Dave Filoni did? Yes, yes, it is in the Ahsoka art, um, and it's also on um, Sabine's new armor. Yeah, and it, there's something very. St- like obviously something going on there, but so Filoni like, you know, willingly talked about it in that fantastic interview that he gave about rebels. And even though at the time I didn't realize that he'd been removed from supervising director to move on to his next project. It's nice that he's still the figurehead for rebels. (laughs) Um, and I don't know. It's just kind of Colin was actually the one who, who suggested to us that, the owl might be embodying someone that there might actually be like some force spirit, whether that's Yoda or Qui-Gon or, or something we haven't met yet. I'm beginning to think that it might be the antithesis to the Sith presence that Filoni also talks about in the, in the interview, which was the, the voice that Ezra hears whenever he opens the Sith holocron. And he also heard in the Sith temple in the finale episode that Filoni gave some insight was actually the one who created the weapon featured in the finale and that died when the Jedi attacked the um Malachor? Uh yes. Now it, and and that's a that's a weird spot where they could either be taking a character who previously existed in the expanded universe and adding them in, or it could be something, you know, totally new. Like the existence of Malachor, that Malachor is what it is, that's all expanded universe stuff, but we don't know how much of it's true. And, uh, I mean, Ahsoka said it right there in the finale. Uh, there's always some truth to legends. And so I think they have some lore set up that heavily borrows from things that have been done before. I mean, he- I mean everything about Malachor has been heavily borrowed from the event that was alluded to in the Knights of the Old Republic series that actually took place on Malachor, which was where Revan and Malak's last stand was. Um, you know, the final battle of, of that 
Galactic Civil War or whatever they were calling it, Jedi Civil War maybe. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I hope Rebels gets a chance to go into that history and give us like, I, I mentioned it in my Star Wars Expanded Universe article, is that we have no more foundation because everything's been wiped away for what exactly the conflict between Sith and Jedi is. I mean, Darth Maul says it very, very blatantly. At last, we will have our revenge. Revenge for what? And it looks like Rebels may give us the opportunity to find out what that, the origin of that feeling is, that feeling that the Sith need revenge. So yeah. I, think, I think the Owl is going to play some sort of like opposite approach to that, will be the Jedi side of that. Yeah, and all all the scenes with Bendu were were very fascinating. I don't think we addressed yes. it on the show, but of course Bendu's named after the Jedi Bendu, the original name of the Jedi. Um, and there's also the, Bendu mentioned uh, what, what were those two other names? The he mentions the Ashla and the Bogan, which were George Lucas's original names for the light side and dark side of the Force. Right. And what the Jedi and Sith embody, you know, that's the you know one respects one side and the other respects the other side, which was the their original. Origin was that there was a schism between which one they should be, you know, tapping into. Yeah. And so the Bendu, that, that is the way he still addresses the light side and dark side as, as Ashley and Bogan. So they're really digging into George's old notes. So it'll be interesting to see oh. where they go with that. Yeah, lots lots of potential here. Now let's let's dig into what's on the horizon of Rebels. The next episode is called... The Holocrons of Fate. The description is, when Maul takes the crew of the ghost hostage, Ezra and Kanan must pass a trial in order to recover an ancient Sith artifact to save them. That's ominous as hell. Then, Well, I, I assume the artifact is a Sith holocron. Is a holocron. Yeah, based on the preview, it's two to next week for Star Wars Rebels, and it shows them looking for the holocron. I actually did not catch the preview. Uh, yeah. Well, we only caught part of it. My DVR cut it yeah. off. <laughs> uh, and Doug's seen it more recently than I have. Um, the next episode is the Antilles Extraction. We're kind of finally see that introduction of Wedge. I was hoping it was going to be in the first episode, but, uh, oh, well, episode three ain't bad. Sabine goes undercover as a cadet in the Empire's Elite Flight Academy to help free several young pilots who want to defect to the Rebellion. And episode four, Hera's Heroes. Hera's rebel supply mission to Ryloth becomes personal when she and the ghost crew brave overwhelming Imperial forces to recover a memento from her ancestral home. Which I assume will be the return of uh, her father, Cham Sandella. Yeah, most likely. And uh, but will will he join the rebellion? Like in a in a serious way. Will he will, you know, will he get pulled into the army effectively? I feel like his days are numbered. Yeah. I feel like his his story you feel that way about everybody. <laughs> I know, but I feel I feel like his story going from back to Clone Wars to the book that he was featured in Lords of the Sith to the way he made up with Hera in Rebels. I feel like this is the probably the the actual torch passing and his torch extinguishing. You're like Ahsoka's going to die, Rex is going to die, Ezra's going to die, everyone's going to die. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kane is going to die. Let's talk about the the you, Matt, you think Captain Rex is going to die? Yeah, one of the future episodes, like no description, is just called uh, the Last Battle, and the only two confirmed characters right now, per Wikipedia, is Ezra and Rex. And you know, you were thinking Rex are going to die? Well, <laughs> oh, I do that every time. Actually, <laughs> I mean, this goes back to my 
predictions last season for the Rebels finale when I thought Ahsoka was going to die because the last conversation they had with each other was a complete opposite of their initial conversation, which was about the fact, you know, Ahsoka at Christophsis had told Rex that she outranked him, but then Rex said experience always outranks, you know, like that it's, it's more important than, than actual rank. And they had the opposite conversation when she left, basically that she was now the experienced one as opposed to him outranking her. And yeah. so uh, I was like, oh, okay, she's going to die. And uh figure that's the last conversation they're ever going to have together. And uh, that didn't, you know, that may still prove to be true with Ahsoka still missing, but uh, we'll see if uh, if Rex is done for in an upcoming episode. <sighs> uh, yeah. I hope you're wrong, but this is a war show, and if it continues to mature, we're going to have to see some casualties of characters we care about. Yeah, and they got to introduce characters like K2SO. That's true. Is that... Is that confirmed? Do you know something? No, no, no. I just, uh, I, I have a feeling they're going to start moving Rebels ca- or Rogue One characters into the show in some sort of supportive role pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We're at least going to see some U-Wings probably. Yeah. But I, I can't wait for when, when the, the Rogue One crossover actually starts to happen. So we've well, got... Uh, I, I think mentioned General Dodonna at the end of this episode. He was the, this, you know, the general that gave the briefing in, in A New Hope. So, you know... Yeah. And you know we're getting wedge, and so the the rebellion is is forming by the end of the season, the proper rebel alliance. What we'll probably get, to be honest, is what we should get anyways. Is we should get Ahsoka back to talk to Saw Gerrera and see if she can like recruit him into the alliance. Considering part of the rebels logo, the the alliance's logo is the Onderon symbol. Yeah. So at some point they have to get them on board, and I think that's going to have to be like. God, they're connecting everything. Clone but Wars. Will, <laughs> who are they going to get to voice Saw Gerrera, the guy who voiced him in Clone Wars? Are they going to get Forrest Whitaker? Uh, I want Forrest. <laughs> I just got to say for a minute, I love the online video of uh, uh, Kylo Ren reacting to the Star Wars Rogue One trailer. And he sees Forrest Whitaker goes, oh, Saw Gerrera, a man to be reckoned with. I look, many have tried. I look forward to watching you die. <laughs> <laughs> When Ezra has the lightsaber and he's aiming it at the Imperial like leader of that base or whatever, and he's just like, oh, you got minutes to live. I'm going to cut the power or whatever. And he's just like, ah, you know, like they're having that little standoff. The music they play there almost sounds directly ripped from E.T. the Extraterrestrial. What? Oh, I, it's, an, it, it's an obscure track. I'm going to try and find out exactly it to make sure I'm not crazy, but... I, I will thought like, I, I heard part a weird of it. Mus- musical cue. It might be the yeah. same one that I. That, I I'm um, gonna go back and re-listen to it and see if I can pinpoint the exact ET track that I'm thinking of because I I was like, whoa, wait a minute, like I've heard that before and I thought it feels John Williamsy, Star Warsy. What is it? But then I'm like, oh wait a minute, that was an ET thing. So I'm gonna look into it and I'll let you guys know if that leads anywhere. That's super weird. Th- they ought to get the ET aliens into Rebels, considering their they, canon. Yeah, they were in Episode <laughs> One. <Yeah. laughs> So that's it for this episode of State of the Empire, but uh, we, we got plenty more. We even know some stuff that's going to be behind the blast doors in the next episode. It's, uh, oh, it's going to be fun. So we're going we're gonna to get to some stores early. Uh, Matt, where are you going to, for your Rogue Friday Uh, Well, experience? the Target that I went to last year is not doing midnight, so I will probably go to the Toys R Us in the Ballard area of Seattle. That is probably where I will end up. And I'm probably doing uh, Target early Friday morning. Not indefinitely. A, not a thing. Any advice for people out there? Last year, the Disney store, though they weren't open at midnight, the Disney store had all the good stuff for Force Awakens. So 
definitely the huh. next morning, I would suggest everybody try to hit up the Disney store. Maybe I should do that instead. Hmm. Well, jury's still out. Plenty of time for you guys to shoot any notes to us about places we should be looking at. Um, and we'll see you next week. Taking us out, well, I think we played this track before, but it's so appropriate with the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn. How could we not throw down with Adam Warrock's 2013 single, Thrawn? All about the man himself. Thanks so much for listening to Save the Empire. We'll see you in a week. Humanoid, you can stare into my red eyes Cause when I speak, I hold that tone calm and steady Sit on the throne and so I wait and bide my time But I keep the Imperial forces there armed and ready Out in the regions unknown, out there patrolling the zone I watch the Death Star fall in the shadow of the sanctuary So when the Emperor fell and Vader did too Then I assumed the weight that I had to carry Genius tactician and strategist The baddest in the galaxy, no Republic could handle this Studying the art of my enemies just to better understand So when they fall, I'm like, yeah, I already knew your plans Not right, bodyguards, katana dreadnoughts Cloak the perimeter of Coruscant So better not try to pronounce my chist name Get your tongue tied And if you speak ill to me, I'll have your tongue, right? I'm Grand Admiral Thrawn Servant of the Empire with a plan that never fails So watch your tone when you speak You got the force, I got the forces So come and meet your defeat Every track that I'm on I'm Grand Admiral Thrawn Servant of the Empire with a plan that never fails So watch your tone when you speak You got the force, I got the forces So come and meet your defeat Made the castle running like one less parsec than the best could ever try. Lose your mind in the spice, my, my words cut deep and my stare cuts deeper. Sitting there in Mount Tannis with my hands around the chest. Hey, you'll forget Talon Carr, just smuggler trash. Lower class. Forget Sabah, he lost his mind too fast. Forget Mara Jane, got no use for her. I just used my sick tactics, got a noose for her. With a Sparty cylinder and a team of mole miners, I'm the new empire, way beyond those old timers. So when you hear that Imperial March, rest in peace, Palpatine. It's for your honor, we chart. Every course across the star maps, crush the new Republic. Raise that black flag underneath the setting sun. That's when Rue cut me down at the throne where I sit. Gotta admit, it was really so artistically done. I'm Grand Admiral Thrawn, servant of the Empire with a plan that never fails. So watch your tone when you speak. You got the force, I got the forces. So come and meet your defeat. Every track that I'm on. I'm Grand Admiral Thrawn, servant of the Empire with a plan that never fails. So watch your tone when you speak. You got the force, I got the forces. So come and meet your defeat. Thanks for listening to State of the Empire. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream on Google Play. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, 
Visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Do you guys know what the Sarlacc's favorite pasta is? Mm-mm. Fettuccine. Fuck. God, these are getting worse. How is that even possible? <laughs> hey, fellas, um, your Astromex hungry? No, BB-8. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what uh, a Jawa's favorite vegetable is? Zucchini! Zucchini. Ha! Ha! <laughs> you got it! <laughs> right, on the, right on the money. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.